And here we go. Live from the White Call Hard Seltzer Studios, it's overtime with William Patterson and Dawson Wise. Hour number two on the horizon. Breaking news in the NFL, which we just broke. Jim Harbaugh headed to the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, if you want to hear our full piece on that, you can listen to it on SoundCloud, uh, where we have our whole first hour posted as well. Um, in this hour, however, uh, Doc Rivers hired to be the next Bucks head coach. We'll get into that here in a second. Um, could the Chiefs possibly get blown out in this Ravens game and also a purdy opportunity for Brock Purdy to prove himself uh, this weekend? But, for, but first, excuse me, we'll hit the phones, and we've got Joshy Boy on the line. What's up, Joshy? What up, guys? How are you? Good. How are you doing tonight? Doing well, man. Congrats on uh, Houston minus two and a half last night. Yeah, but uh, I got hooked by the Nuggets. They won by five. Ah. Mm. Yeah. Can't win them all, but yeah. I'm going to give you my best bets for tonight. Okay. First game, we are going with Virginia minus six against NC State. Okay. And the second game, we're going Bama at home minus three and a half against Auburn. Uh, there we go. <laughs> and I'm going to give you all a little bit of NBA action. We're going over – Two, I think the number I got at two forty-two and a half. Okay. In, uh, the OKC game, I I forgot who OKC is playing by. I expect both teams to get out high pace and I uh, go over this total. So Spurs tonight, Joshy boy. Yeah, Spurs. Okay, good deal. So we got the over in the OKC um, Spurs game. Two forty-two and a half. Two forty-two and a half. Siding with me. With Alabama minus three and a half, Dawson took Auburn plus three and a half. So now we have two versus one tonight. Um, and what was that yeah. first one? One more time. Virginia, Virginia minus six against minus NC State. Six. Virginia minus six against NC State. All right, those are Joshy Boy's plays of the night. Um, all right, I like that. Yeah, I do too. I don't know yet. I have to dig deep dive into more about this Chiefs Ravens game, but I'm probably gonna be on uh, Baltimore three and a half Sunday against the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely gonna be I mean, I feel like the whole world is gonna bet on the Chiefs um coming off that win last week. Um I, I don't know. We're we've been we're gonna dive into it later in this hour and uh also talk a fair amount about it tomorrow and Friday too. But um yeah. I, I mean look, Patrick Mahomes is so special. And you can never count him out. The only times he's been an underdog, they've won outright. Um, so that in itself is saying, don't doubt on this guy. Um, I, I think it's going to be a, a tough one for both teams. But you do like how Baltimore has done this year. I mean, uh, they're very good yeah. at home. Nine games against winning teams, winning by 14-plus points, uh, the most in the NFL. They're uh, a top top team, and or it's a second uh, in, in points scored per game and their first in points allowed per game, they, they get it done on both sides. This is a good team and a tough matchup for the Chiefs, especially if Joe Tooney's not able to go uh, on the offensive line for the Chiefs. Um, yeah. I, I don't know what side I'll be on either, um, but I, I think it'll be a great one regardless. Yeah, I do too. So uh, how do you guys – what do you think the spread will be Saturday uh, in that Bandy-Tennessee game? I'm thinking maybe around 10 – Ten and a half or eleven and a half. Like that. Yeah, ten and a half, twelve, something like that. Yeah, you think uh, Tennessee covers that spread if it is around that range? They should. Yeah, uh, yeah, you'd hope. Yeah, 
Yeah. So, uh, what do you guys think about this game against Sandy Saturday with uh, how weird their gymnasium is, like, placed out, weird. like, the rims and everything and just, like, the court and everything? Yeah, it's an awkward environment to play in, but from a, a player's perspective, you know, you're just going out there and playing basketball. I've I, what is it? Memorial Gymnasium, I think, is what it's called. Um, yeah, I, I've I've had the opportunity to go there a couple times. Uh, went back when my high school went there and, and practiced before they played in the in the state semifinals. We went there. Um, I shot around a couple times. I made a couple threes. Yeah. I think if I can make a couple threes, I think uh, oh, nah. <laughs> I think the Tennessee Vols <laughs> can too. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's an interesting environment, but I think when it comes down to it. Um, it's just basketball, and I think um, Tennessee is by far the uh, superior team this year. Um, don't want a repeat of last year, that's for sure. Um, so I, I think they've got to go in there and, 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 and play great defense like they have against Florida and Alabama and carry that momentum uh, into a, a Vanderbilt team that may not be as talented as a Florida and Alabama, but um, you still have to respect them because, I mean, this is the SEC, like I alluded to earlier. Um, anyone can win on any given night now. Um, so I, I think you've got to bring your all, and um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be too worried about how weird the gym is, though. So uh, it's pretty much a lock for Zach Eady to win Player of the Year, unless he suffers a season-ending injury, which I hope he doesn't. But that's Connect's only chance for him to win Player of the Year, right? Uh, I mean. <sighs> I don't know. I look the 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 player of the year award is kind of. I, I hate to use the word political here, but I, I feel like yeah. it's kind of predetermined. I, I guess is the, the correct word too. for it. Um, I mean, Edie, I watched him last night playing against Michigan, and it looked like the Harlem Globetrotters were taking on the Washington Generals. I mean, it was just yeah. the difference between uh, this amount of skill between those teams was incredible. But um, Edie's so talented. Uh, Hunter Dickinson's a guy I think should be up for that conversation as well. His touch around the rim is so unique, um, and Connect has continued to make a a strong push for his case. I think um, if he continues this throughout the majority and, and the rest of the season, he could definitely uh, creep into that spot, especially if Tennessee uh, continues winning games because uh, Purdue is going to win a lot of games in the Big Ten with only uh, about six teams really beatable, I guess, uh, is the word for it. I think the SEC is a little bit more competitive than the, ha- the back half of the Big Ten is. Um, so Tennessee's right. got to continue to win games. And Connect's got to continue to have big performances. But I don't think it's impossible. Uh, but I do say it's it's going to be hard to beat Edie out. Maybe he uh, could make, like, the voting close. If he has maybe, like, a couple of 40-point games this year. Uh-huh. Connect. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, last thing on the way out, I don't know if I told you guys, but the reason I started following the NBA when I was little uh, – watched the Lakers, and I became a Lakers fan watching Kobe and Shaq. And uh, rest in peace to the late Kobe Bryant. But what do you think Kobe Bryant's legacy that he left, like, on and off the court for, like, children and stuff and, like, other players? Hang up and listen. Thank you for taking my call. Of course, Josh, you boy. Wow, what loaded question here. Um, and it's a great one, too. Uh, Kobe Bryant um, had a huge impact on me growing up. He was one of the – um, most polarizing players I remember when I was, you know, coming up and, and coming of age and learning to love sports. It was some of my best memories of my childhood are literally, you know, Kobe Bryant and the Lakers facing off against the Orlando Magic in the NBA Finals and the Celtics as well. Like those series were 
I guess, what, 2009, 2010? Yeah. So long ago. But I remember being in, in, in watercolor Florida, watching those games as like a seven-year-old, six-year-old. Um, and from then on, I always loved and appreciated Kobe. I got to see his last game in Memphis ever, um, which was really cool. Got to see him in his prime as well back in 2010. Um, but the impact he had on the the people he was around and the teams he was around, um, I, I guess if I could put it into one word, it's just he knew how to play the game and knew how to play the game the right way and approached every single day, whether it was a practice, whether it was a game, whether it was um, like the, the the training, the training after um, or whatever you want to call it, just working out, whatever it was, he put the same mentality towards everything. And I think that's something that he still rubs off on people today. Um, whatever you put your mind to, do it in a way where you're never going to regret anything and know that you gave your all when you're done with it. And I think that's what Kobe leaves us with. Um, Mamba mentality is a real thing. It, it's not just a cool saying that's a slogan. It's a mentality that he played with throughout his career. He was willing to do whatever it took to win, win a game and whatever it took to get better, and that's what the Mamba mentality meant. And uh, a great question, Joshy boy. Uh, Dawson, do you want to add anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, on the court we know what Kobe meant to the game of basketball, revolutionized the game of basketball, I think, in the, the way that – players who've come after him have played have tried to model their game after what he did to be so dominant um, so on the court obviously meant a lot to those Lakers championship teams had plenty of accolades on um, but almost an even greater impact off the court with what he was doing uh, with youth basketball and with with Gigi Bryant obviously uh, a few years ago yeah. and establishing those youth programs I think even just beyond his effect in the game of basketball his his legacy will be felt far beyond the NBA uh, for years and years and years to come I, I totally agree with you there um, now let's head back to the phones real quick. We've got Liam on the line. What's up, Liam? Hey, how are y'all? Um, I was calling in just to, uh, you know, Mahomes got a big win this past Sunday uh, against Josh Allen. His first playoff uh, win on the road. And I was thinking, you know, if he's able to win these next two and win a Super Bowl, he'd have three rings and uh, two MVPs in his first six years. Like, where where would he rank among all quarterbacks uh, if he was to win a championship this year. I personally think he's he's got to be number two at this point already in his career if he's able to win, but what are y'all's uh, thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I think by far he's already number two in my opinion. I don't think we've ever seen a player um, as just – he's got so many different ways he can beat you. He can beat with his legs. He extends plays and, and goes off script better than I've ever seen. Going off script is something I talk about a lot, and I think it's the difference between a good quarterback and a great quarterback. Not too many people – or not too many quarterbacks in this league can go off script, and the ones that can are the ones that are making a lot of money. Um, avoiding the avoiding the, the pressure um, on, on Sunday, that was very – uh, very on display. A couple of times you felt like the Bills might have wrapped him up, and boom, he just corkscrews around, zips it down the field, and, and finds a 20-yard gain. His his athletic ability is incredible. And I think if he continues to win Super Bowls and MVPs, then when you start comparing Brady and Mahomes, and I'm not saying that it's there yet. Obviously, Brady has got the, the, the career and, and the longevity over Mahomes. Um, but if you get to that point where they're even in, in, in Super Bowl rings and MVPs, then I think you could have the conversation where Mahomes is a better quarterback in the way that he's able to make plays with his legs as well 
and extend plays um, a little bit better than Brady could. Brady was an incredible, uh, incredible arm. Uh, his accuracy was incredible. But Mahomes has this ability to extend plays. I don't think we've seen for many, uh, many quarterbacks at all in the, in the history of the NFL. Um, so I'm not saying there he's not there yet. But if he wins this year, where he's had to deal with an inferior wide receiving group the, the whole time, um, and they've gotten better, and I think that's a, a big reason why I think they could win on Sunday. Um, but to be able to go through this year with everything they've had to go through, I think this would be his most meaningful Super Bowl in terms of doing it without uh, Tyreek Hill and doing it without a just a loaded uh, receiving core, if you will. And I know last year's wasn't incredibly loaded either, um, but this year, I mean, obviously they were um, struggling to catch footballs in the NFL. That's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, so, Dawson, anything to add? No, I think you covered it pretty well. Yeah. I mean, I think he's already right there at number two. And the debate's only going to grow. The more he wins, the more he gains accolades. The debate's only going to get more and more heated as yeah. the years go. And he just does not show any signs of slowing down. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I've got one more thing. Um, you know, Josh Allen is obviously, you know, touted as one of the, you know, top three quarterbacks. And, you know, he makes a lot of great plays. But, no one wants to talk about the fact that his last three playoff wins are against quarterbacks of Mac Jones, Skylar Thompson, and Mason Rudolph. Um, you know, if you're going to be put, you know, to the high pedestal of being a top three quarterback, you know, you would think that you're going to beat uh, quarterbacks along those tiers with you, and and he hasn't. Um, what do you think the problem is with either him or uh, the Bills in general of why they can't? Uh, get over the hump of you know the quarterbacks like Burrow and Mahomes that have had success in the playoffs. Well, let me say this before I get into my spill here. It's uh, first off, Josh Allen can make plays that no one else can. He's an incredible quarterback, and I'm not dissing him when I say this stuff. But um, he's incredible. I understand that he's a top three, top two quarterback in the league. I'm not debating that. But uh, many label me as a Josh Allen hater because I, I go in on the guy sometimes, and I'm really just trying to help the guy out. I'm not hating on him. I'm trying to help him out. And the Bills have had a problem ever since Brian Dayball left. Coaching is very important in the NFL. You know, there are a lot of instances uh, where there's inferior quarterback play one year, and then the next year you get a different coach, and boom, okay, things are a lot better. You bring in an offensive mind, he knows what he's doing. Look at Jalen Hurts last year and this year. Jalen Hurts took a huge step back this year, in my opinion, and, and the numbers reflected as well. Last year with Shane Steichen, 67% completion rate, 246.7 yards per game, 22 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. With Brian Johnson this year, 65% completion rate, decrease, 226.9 yards per game, decrease, 23 touchdowns, just one more from last year, but 15 interceptions. Coaching in this league is very big, and in that game against the Chiefs, you had 16 completed passes behind the line of scrimmage. Joe Brady, in a sense, made Josh Allen a game manager that could use his legs and, 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 and make a couple plays when needed. But on the final drive of the game, when it mattered the most, it's like they clicked the, the panic button and just clicked the, all right, Josh Allen, win it for us button. And the problem is they don't know how to manage Josh Allen. They don't know how to rein in his talent. There are a lot of talented players in the league. And if they're not being coached the right way, they could be 
led led astray. They don't know where they they don't know where they can be successful at because the coaching isn't good enough. Um, Trevor Lawrence is another good example. Under Urban Meyer, it was a circus show, and the numbers reflected that. 59.6% completion rate, 12 touchdowns to 17 interceptions. Doug Peterson comes in, a guy that knows what he's doing. 66.3% completion rate, 25 touchdowns and interceptions. My point in all of this, Sean McDermott, a defensive-minded coach, isn't getting it done, and they don't have the personnel on the coaching staff after Brian Dayball left to know how to use Josh Allen. So, uh, to me, I, I think the Bills have to make a change, either at head coach or have to go get a home run offensive coordinator. Dawson, what do you say? I agree. I think you have to try that first. I agree that the quarterback play uh, and the play calling especially has gone down since Dable left Buffalo. Um, and if you if you make a change at coach, I think it fixes something or at least gives you a chance to fix something. If not, you can look at other things, but I think you're right that coaching is first. Yeah, no, I, I agree with uh, what Charles said. I just, I just think it's weird for a quarterback like him that's been so good and had so many good moments that – you know, you thought this past Sunday was going to be the the game that's going to give him a, get him over the hump, considering he was at home, but uh, still falling short. It's you know, it does raise the question of what what is going on in Buffalo. So yeah, um, yeah. Well, Liam, I appreciate your call. Thank you for calling in. Um, let's see, we got another guy on the line. Oh, uh, we do, but we were about to. Are we about to hit a break? Or? Uh, let's get him in real quick. Okay, let's get him in real quick. We'll head to a break right after. Who is this? It's Chad on the line. Chad, what's up, Chad? What's up? Long, uh, long time listener, first time caller. Thank you, Chad. I'm calling to see what you think about old Harbaugh leaving behind his uh, beloved Michigan and going to the Chargers. Yeah, you know, uh, we we opened the uh, the the last hour with that, um, and the news dropped going into our last break. Um, we did a pretty pretty extensive dive on it, and our takeaway was look. Look where Los Angeles is. You know, it's a it's a Lakers town. It's a Dodgers town. Uh, there's a lot going on there, and you've got to find a way to make yourself marketable. And the Chargers have not been marketable uh, because a they haven't done anything, and b they've got terrible coaching. You have to make a home run hire, and that's Jim Harbaugh. That's going to put butts in seats. Um, and I think that was the first thing. Second off, the Chargers have whiffed on on coordinators over the past couple of years. Jim Harbaugh is not a coordinator. He's a head coach and was for the 49ers. Did really good, uh, really good job at Michigan. Now finds himself in Los Angeles. And for Harbaugh, look, he has done everything he possibly can at the college level. He's won a championship at his alma mater. Um, has been through all sorts of chaos off the field. If there was ever a time to leave, when you're losing your starting quarterback, starting running back, all sorts of talent on defense, um, it, it, it was time to go. And I think. Uh, Michigan fans uh, should be grateful for the championship this year and grateful for the time that Harbaugh gave them. Um, what, 3-1 and one in the last four games against Ohio State um, in an Ohio State series that has been pretty dominant by the Buckeyes. Um, so I think there's a lot to be proud of and a lot to be thankful for. This is the best move for Jim Harbaugh now. Yeah, but what about Belichick? You don't think they whiff on Belichick? Uh, I, I don't think they've whiffed on Belichick because Belichick is, what, 71, 72? Something like that. Um, and really, ideally, you only think yeah, he's going to be – advances in modern medicine, you got to think the guy can coach until he's 85. I, I mean, I mean that, that'd be a, a significant uh, number, 85. Is that, has that been done before? Have we ever seen an 85-year-old coach? I mean, my dad coached high school football until he was 95. <laughs> 
Well, your dad is uh, uh, an all-star then. Wow, that's uh, a 95 coaching in high school. Yeah, three uh, three undefeated seasons, six state championships. He's a hell of a man. Well, I, he's, Passed away it, uh, uh, recently, but yeah, hell of a coach. Okay, uh, very sorry to hear that. Um, but he he does sound like a uh, an, a complete all star. And I look ninety five at the high school level may may work, but um, I I don't know if you can expect Belichick to be there for more than a couple of seasons. Um, to me, Harbaugh is the the better hire. Um, and I, I you know I I think Belichick could work somewhere for two, three to four years. But if you're trying to rebuild a franchise and go on a run with a Justin Herbert and that roster. Uh, three to four year window is 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 not uh, completely fair to in my opinion. All right, you think his brother's going to get it done the Super Bowl? Uh, we'll have to see. I mean, they got to win this weekend. They they got a, a big matchup with with Kansas City. Now, um, some we'll we'll dive into here in a little bit, but um, I, I think that the Baltimore Ravens have proven themselves this season. Todd Munkin uh, has done a great job with that offense, and Harbaugh is a incredible coach and uh he he's got this team ready to play every day um I, I i think the chiefs are in for a tough one especially on the road here all right well thanks will thank you so much chad for calling in and we come back doc rivers hired to be the next bucks head coach more when we return on overtime making a better buck of soda ain't rocket science you just gotta start with a better vodka and then voila, you get White Claw Vodka Soda. Your taste buds are about to get a PhD in deliciousness. JB Smooth only drinks vodka soda made with the world's smoothest vodka. Try the all-new White Claw Vodka Soda. Pick up a variety pack of their four delicious flavors. Only 100 calories, 4.5% alcohol, and 2 grams of sugar. White Claw Vodka Soda. Please drink responsibly. Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the lifetime warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at parksidekia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive. Parkside Kia where your journey begins. Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service, is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015. Now serving municipalities and residences in 14 states, Rogers offers fire hydrant flow testing, distribution flushing, and maintenance programs in accordance with ISO standards. Rogers also offers hydrant repair and installation, and they have the capability of repairing hydrants under pressure. For more information on Rogers' new sewer maintenance program, complete with mapping, cleaning, and camera inspecting, visit Rogers Hydrant service.com. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865. 
855-966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team, delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. They are our love bugs and companions. They are our pets, our family, and they make life better. When we face unexpected challenges, so do our pets. That's why we're on a mission to support people and their pets. Whether donating a bag of kibble, sharing an Instagram post of a lost cat, or welcoming a foster pet into your home, every bit of kindness counts. Visit petsandpeopletogether.org to learn how to be a helper in your community. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Back here on Overtime, segment number two of our number two here on a Wednesday night. A lot of calls in that first segment. Thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of our Wednesday night edition of Overtime. Now let's dive into uh, Doc Rivers. He has been hired to be the Bucks' next head coach less than 24 hours after the Milwaukee Bucks fired Adrian Griffin despite a 30-13 and 13 start. The Bucks have hired Doc Rivers to fill the void. Rivers, who has previously coached the Orlando Magic, the Boston Celtics, Los Angeles Clippers, and Philadelphia 76ers, has not had a losing season since 2007 and adds 24 years of head coaching experience. Now, Griffin, and as we kind of covered a little bit yesterday, was reportedly fired due to months of underwhelming play with internal concerns growing about the severe decline of their once elite defense, uh, 22nd this season in defensive efficiency. Um, the flawed use of newcomer Damian Lillard alongside franchise centerpiece Giannis Antetokounmpo and a widespread fear amongst the organization that this group, which was widely expected to contend for a title, was likely to fall short if Milwaukee stood pat with Griffin. Now, they were able to uh, put together a 6-5 and record in January under Griffin, and that might have heated some things up. A bad loss to the Rockets uh, is, is what apparently was uh, the moment where it started boiling. Uh, Milwaukee had a brutal start to the year defensively, surrendering 122.1 points per 100 possessions, which is uh, not anything uh, that, that's uh, worth worth being happy about. And um, it really showed any signs of growth defensively. Um, so they decided to make the move. We were surprised about it yesterday. Doc Rivers was floated around as supposedly being the guy uh, to come next in line. But we'll begin with, uh, was firing Adrian Griffin the right move? I think Jay said it best yesterday, and I agree with him yesterday as well. I hate mid-season firings like this, especially on winning teams. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is a Bucks team that is by no means bad. I mean, defensively, yeah, they've had their struggles. But overall, I mean, still a 30-win team at this point in mm-hmm. the season – I just don't I don't see why unless these issues with with Lillard and with the defense and these you know supposedly internal issues with that new roster that they have were so bad that you had to you felt like you had to make a move I just mm-hmm. I don't get it um for a team that's this successful um you could have ridden it out I think and seen how it went um obviously there was something that they saw in mm-hmm. the performance that just you know it said you know we got to move on we got to go get a guy like Doc Rivers now you know Good hire, and we'll talk about that in a second. But 
at the same time, in the middle of the season, I just I don't get it. This was Adrian Griffin's first stint as the true head coach, running yeah. the Bucks bench, uh, and you were on pace to win almost 60 games, which is very hard to do in the NBA um, and in a Western Conference, excuse me, an Eastern Conference that's very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very top-heavy as well. You're playing a lot of those top teams. I I just don't get it. I didn't get it yesterday. I still don't get it today, even though they hired Doc Rivers. Yeah, I think it was a weird hire, or a weird firing, that is. Um, obviously, I, I think you're a fool if you didn't think that this defense was going to take a hit for trading Drew Holiday and Grayson Allen away and adding a guy in Damon Lillard who doesn't do much defense at this point in his career, though he's a great offensive player. Um, I, 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 I was surprised that it happened because really we never heard anything about anything going wrong. Um, but when you take a look at it, I think it reminds me a lot of David Blatt from the the Cavaliers years. They were very successful then as well. I think they were at 30 and 11, um, but they thought they lacked some, uh, I guess, I can't remember what it was. I don't know if it was defensively or offensively, but they thought they were lacking something um, that they needed to, to brush up before going into the second half of the season, which really is where the playoff push ramps up and you're getting a lot more competitive basketball each night. Um, so I, I think if the defense looked as bad as it did, 22nd in the league in efficiency and allowing 122.8 points per possession or per 100 possessions a night in January um, is not clean basketball, and that's not winning basketball. Um, so was it the right move? I, I'm not saying it was the right move, and I'm also not saying it's the wrong move. I, I think it's just a move that um, they felt like had to be made, and I, I'm going to trust their judgment on it, and uh, and it is what it is. Um, does Doc Rivers move the needle for Milwaukee now? And, um, you know, he's coming in after half the season being in the ESPN booth with Mike Breen on hand, and um, now he's going to be coaching this team tomorrow. Uh, I, I think it's a little bit of a weird dynamic, but I guess any in-season hiring and firing is not a good dynamic anyway. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what this team looks like over the next couple weeks and trying to set this new culture and new tone with Rivers in line. Uh, does Doc Rivers move the needle for this team? I think he does. and I think it's just because of his playoff success um, you know, in his years over the course of his career in Boston uh, and in LA, obviously his years in Philly, not you know had their had their rough points, um, but his ability to coach teams with multiple stars, I think, was also considered. Uh, mm-hmm. The Boston Big Three teams come to mind. Uh, you know, Allen Pierce Garnett, yeah. uh, the LA team, the Lob City Clippers. Now they didn't have the magnet, the you know, the huge playoff success that the Celtics did, uh, but they still had success, reached yeah. the Western Conference Finals. You know, with a team that probably should not have gone that far besides Blake Griffin and Chris Paul. But mm-hmm. I think it's his ability to coach those multiple number one guys. You're not going to have prob- as many problems with the dynamic of trying to handle those guys and mm-hmm. figure out their production, where they fit into the system. Um, so I think that does move the needle for them. He's a big name as well. Adrian Griffin came off the assistant staff to, to coach this team. He's not as big a name. Doc Rivers is a name you see and you go, oh, Doc Rivers is coaching Giannis mm-hmm. and Lillard yeah. and this, you know, this big name team that is coming out two years removed from a championship. So I think it moves the needle for fans, but does it move the needle for the team? We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I certainly think he he has a chance to do something good with that team. Well, I mean, at least he comes in with a, a fresh mentality, a, a different 
persona than than Griffin did. Now Griffin was with the uh, Raptors for a couple of seasons under Nick Nurse. Now Nick Nurse goes to the Sixers, and you know obviously um, kind of a trained reaction there. Um, and it was also let's take it back to last summer where Bullenholzer was let go. That was a surprise in itself with all the success he's had. Hell, he won a NBA championship two, three years ago. Um, and this is a small market team in Milwaukee, and I think they're, they realize their championship window is here and they're getting aggressive. And I like aggression. I, I, I do. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the Damian Lillard trade, um, but I do think that he allows them to be um, a lot more spatial offensively um, with how good and how many places he can hit shots from. But the defense, I think, was too big of a risk to take, and obviously we've seen that this year. And Rivers isn't some defensive guru either. Um, I just think he's a really good name and a guy that's going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, so I, I like that on your sideline. But uh, as of late, and I'm about to allude into it now, as of late, he hasn't had much success in the playoffs. Uh, uh, Rivers owns a 6-10 and record all-time in Game 7s. Uh, last year had two chances to close out the Boston Celtics and was unable to do it. Um, I I don't know. I, I I just fear that his recent playoff struggles could very well continue, and we could be uh, back in this cycle of the Bucks looking for a coach by this summer. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do think it's better to have his experience, though. It was going to be Adrian Griffin's first postseason as as the guy running the bench. So I think you you would rather have a guy like Doc Rivers who has been there multiple times, many times over the course of his illustrious coaching career. Um, with a roster like that I almost wonder if maybe they did it number one because they know his playoff success but number two if they realize the Lillard trade has shortened their window a little bit I yeah. think uh, I think it does make their championship window just a little bit shorter um, and so I wonder if maybe they're just you know they're like you said they're going all in and, and yeah. trying to have postseason success now despite those recent struggles now a lot of those struggles I think came in LA um, in series where they, they got matched up with just superior teams talent wise um, mm-hmm. and then in Philadelphia which we know all the problems that they managed to have in the postseason as well came up against that Nick Nurse Toronto team mm-hmm. uh, that I thought Philadelphia was one of the teams to beat that year Toronto obviously goes on a run and wins the championship so yeah, but at the same time, it can't get any worse. I yeah. mean, you lose to Miami last year in the first round of the playoffs, a Miami team that should not have beaten the Milwaukee Bucks in the mm-hmm. first round of the playoffs last year. What they're thinking is it can't get any worse. Let's yeah. go hire a guy that's been there and see where it goes. Yeah, uh, I'm right. It'll be very interesting to see where this team goes uh, uh, going forward. And now let's bridge over to the NFL now um, where we've got AFC and NFC championship games this week. Uh, we talked about some of the key injuries earlier in the first hour, but um, a question that's been floated around today um, is could the Chiefs possibly get blown out? Uh, the Ravens have nine 14-point victories over winning teams this season, which is most in the NFL. The Ravens were second in the NFL in points scored with 28.7 and first in points allowed with 16.1. Really impressive numbers there for a, a top-to-bottom juggernaut team in the Ravens. Um, is there a chance the Ravens could run away with this one? I don't think so. Um, I, I don't I don't like this. I saw this earlier, too. I don't like this thinking that you know we're going ahead and riding off the Kansas City Chiefs in a game like this. I, I learned my lesson last weekend. I wrote them off in Buffalo, and then yeah. they go and win, and I'm not going to do it two weeks in a row. You no. can't. 
Um, so I, I don't I don't think so. I think it also kind of depends on which version of Lamar Jackson we get. Do we get the fourth quarter takeover against Houston Lamar Jackson? Do we get the we're playing the Tennessee Titans at home Lamar Jackson yeah. that disappears in this moment? This is his first opportunity to get to the Super Bowl. And you know, is he ready? Is he going to come in and play well? Or is he going to come in a little bit tight, a little bit nervous, playing against a Kansas City team that you know not? I mean, they've got plenty of guys that were just there yeah. a year ago. Um, that you know they're not going to be nervous in this game. So, no, I don't see them running away with it unless their defense plays its best effort all year and Lamar shows up like he did in the fourth quarter against Houston. Yeah, I'd be shocked as well. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, I have a hard time believing he's going to get blown out and, and beaten by 14-plus points. I think this game will be competitive and down to the wire, very similar to what we just saw last week in the Ravens and Bills. I think um, you had three really good teams, including the Bills, um, and I, I think they're all interchangeable, as good. Anyone could win on any given day um, if just a couple plays go the other way. Um, the Ravens have shown this year, though, they're the most consistent team in the NFL, uh, made mincemeat of the 49ers on Christmas Day. Um, I, I think they come in with the most momentum out of any team in the playoffs, but Kansas City comes in with some severe momentum right now, too. Um, you beat the Dolphins, the best offensive team in the league. You beat the Bills on the road where uh, you were teased the whole week and said that you've never played there before and you couldn't get it done. And, oh, wait, you do get it done as an underdog. Um, so I would never uh, doubt Patrick Mahomes, and I would never give him bulletin board material. And we've got a couple of them uh, we're about to talk about here in a second. But um, I- I'd have a hard time believing with this Chiefs defense that they allow it to get out of hand, um, if anything. I think it's very well we could see a, a a kind of a defensive battle on Sunday. Two really good defenses, um, top two, top three in, in defensive DVOA this season, top two in points allowed. Uh, Chiefs are at two with uh, 17.1. Um, so I, I think there's a very even matchup game. And uh, I really the biggest difference is the, the style of offenses. Uh, and I think the, the Ravens have a little bit of the upper hand with some of the personnel. Now, if Mark Andrews uh, were playing, I think it'd be even a more significant advantage, but Isaiah likely has been great as well. Um, but as we talked about Monday, the Chiefs receiving corpse has been really good, and I, I think that they've really caught some momentum here as of late. And I think they're not as uh, talented as years past in terms of having a Tyreek Hill or a Juju Smith-Schuster, um, but – they they do have some steam right now, so I don't think they'll get blown out. Um, now, Ravens safety Marcus Williams said they got to come here and see us talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. And let's remember, just take a step back to last week, Bills lineman Deion Dawkins said Mahomes has only been here once, so he's never been here. Simple as that, Dawkins said. Pat has never been to the Bills stadium in full. The environment will be different, and not to say it's in our favor, but but our stadium is our favor. The stadium is us. That helps us. I don't care what nobody says. This is the most dopest feeling I've ever had. We're having back-to-back playoff games at home. Come on now. Like, we get to leave and go home and eat wings. It's cool, so good luck. So last week, they poked the bear, and it didn't go well for them. Marcus Williams now pokes the bear. Is it a bad idea? 
to give Patrick Mahomes and company bulletin board material. This is a terrible idea. I mean, this has backfired so many times on teams. And you watched what happened to Buffalo when they decided to say some stuff last week, and I know their fans talked a lot as well, mm-hmm. how great the atmosphere is going to be, how how intimidating the atmosphere is going to be on Patrick Mahomes. And he's never played on the road. And you watched, you watched with your own eyes after that Houston game, Patrick Mahomes walk in there and shut all of those people up. Shut down all the doubts about how he can win on the how he can't win in the playoffs on yeah. the road because he's never done it. Why, 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 why? That's my question with this: is why are you saying this stuff going into this game? He's he's good enough as it is. Mm-hmm. This team is good enough as it is. They don't need any extra inspiration no. from you to come in there and win this game. I don't. I don't get. I've never understood this kind of stuff, especially in the postseason. Well, Tennessee fans can remember some bulletin board material that Florida tried to perform uh, in 2016. Tease Tabor. Tease Tabor, Quincy Wilson. Have you ever seen a duck pull a truck? No. <laughs> um, and that backfires. And I don't think, especially in a AFC championship game, there shouldn't be any need for trash talk. Both teams know what's on the line. It's a trip to the Super Bowl. Um, so both teams know if they don't come out and perform on Saturday or – if they don't come here and see us, they're not going to go to the Super Bowl. So I don't think any of that talk is necessary at this point in the, at this point in the season. And also, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs looked cool as a cucumber last week in, 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 in Buffalo, which was supposed to be a, a big deal. And I know it is. It's a tough environment. But the Chiefs have been here before. This is nothing new to them playing in big games. Uh, it might be a little bit different that they're on the road. But the Super Bowl is a neutral site field with plenty of fans there. That's a bigger environment. All cameras, uh, they got a thousand cameras on them. There's no more pressure than that. They've hit the apex of of NFL pressure. Uh, A a tough road game doesn't really shake them in their boots anymore. And I don't think giving bulletin board material and antagonizing a team like that is a good idea. Um, if If it's to try and get the Chiefs off their game, so be it, but I don't think the Chiefs have gone off their game about what uh, a safety on the opposing team has to say. You just you just don't do this, and especially you don't do this when you have so many players on this Ravens team that have never been there. If you had a bunch of players, if you were in the Chiefs' position right now and you had a bunch of players that have been there more than once, you've got a couple rings on several of these guys on the roster, then okay, at least you've been there. You can, you can back up the talk. A lot of these Ravens players – including your franchise quarterback, have yet to make this stage. Why are you saying this stuff when you haven't even been there yet? Just play the game. Don't say anything. Just play the game because you know all you're doing is just revving up that Chiefs team even more than they already are. Revving up the engine. Bad idea for the Ravens. And when we come back, we'll talk about a pretty opportunity this weekend in San Francisco. White Claw is taking hard seltzer to new heights with White Claw Surge. At 8% alcohol, White Claw Surge is a stronger wave of refreshment that doesn't compromise on taste. Available in four bold waves of flavor like ripe blackberry, citrusy blood orange, zesty natural lime, and tart cranberry. Check out your favorite retailer in-store and online for the White Claw Surge variety 12-pack and 16-ounce single-serve cans. White Claw Surge, please drink responsibly. Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options. From classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. 
Upgrade to energy-efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows. Get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at North Knox Siding and Windows. Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the lifetime warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at parksidekia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive. Parkside Kia where your journey begins. Are you tired of looking at that piece of furniture that is wore down, but you don't want to get rid of it? Go see our friends at Sun Upholstery and Fabric. Locally and family owned and operated with over 67 years of combined experience. Located at 8913 Oak Ridge Highway. Give them a call today at 865-237-3272 or visit them online at fabricsun.com. That's fabricsun.com and be sure to tell Stan that you heard about him right here on Fan Run Radio. Are you ready to make your dream home a reality? Hi, I'm Bo Kregner, and here at the Kregner Group at Realty Executives, we know that finding the perfect home is more than just a transaction. It's about finding your sanctuary, your future, your happiness. Our team is dedicated to guiding you every step of the way, ensuring a smooth and stress-free journey towards home ownership. Whether you're buying, selling, or investing, we're here to help. Call me anytime at 865-742-1035 or just visit us online at bonoshouses.com. Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service, is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015. Now serving municipalities and residences in 14 states, Rogers offers fire hydrant flow testing, distribution flushing, and maintenance programs in accordance with ISO standards. Rogers also offers hydrant repair and installation, and they have the capability of repairing hydrants under pressure. For more information on Rogers new sewer maintenance program complete with mapping cleaning and camera inspecting visit rogershydrantservice.com Final segment of our number two here on Overtime. Thank you so much for being a part of today's show and listening along with us. We really do appreciate it. Uh, now let's move into uh, Brock Purdy. A, a party opportunity is what I'm calling it. Uh, despite advancing to a second straight NFC championship, the verdict on Brock Purdy's ability to be good enough, a good enough quarterback is still in question. Uh, George Kittle said this week that Brock Purdy is fantastic and he's consistent. Are we buying George Kittle's comments there? No. Uh, I mean, he's obviously going to say, what's he going to say to the media, to be fair, about his teammate? Um, you got to respect that he's going to stand up for his teammate and his quarterback, uh, the guy who's throwing the football to him. Uh, but no, I, I don't buy that really at all, and I don't think what we've seen back set up either. Yeah. I, I think it's um, – yeah, I mean, he has to. I mean, what is he going to say? You see, that, these are these kind of situations in, in sports media where I'm like, what do you want him to say? He's not that good. What? Yeah. Oh, I, uh, uh, going uh, into a conference championship yeah. game, no. George, is what, what are your opinions on Brock Purdy? I mean, what do you want him to say? He's bad? That's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, just what I call that is lousy journalism. I don't know what the question was, and I'm not trying to – um, you know, spark a feud with the journalist, but right. um, there's a better way to approach that question and, and asking what he thinks of Brock Purdy 
And then the, the answer is a little ridiculous too. Fantastic. That's like something I describe uh, someone in like fifth grade, but um, we'll, we'll move on from that. Uh, what can Brock Purdy prove this weekend with a win? It fully depends on his performance. Uh, if he goes out there and plays like he did against Green Bay, where they slide by in that game, maybe they win it late. Uh, he doesn't make a huge play, doesn't make a splash, and he misses open guys. I don't really think he proves anything other than just what we've been saying about him is right, um, and that it's just he he cannot show up in the big moments. Uh, now, if he goes in there and proves us all wrong and tears up Detroit's secondary and throws for 350 yards and a few touchdowns. Okay, maybe he starts to say, well, maybe the doubt was a little bit premature um, and that he is a little bit better than we, we may think he is right now. Uh, he fends off the pressure a little bit, I think, as well, and at least puts it off. Uh, if he leads San Francisco to the Super Bowl, whereas if they slide by and he's you know just kind of carried through, like as in the Green Bay game where Christian McCaffrey uh, had carried that last drive basically yeah. on his back into the end zone. Uh, if that happens again, it just reinforces what we've been saying, and that's that we're still waiting on a breakout moment. Now, what a great opportunity to do so yes. against a Detroit secondary. We've said this time and time again that's not very good. Um, no. It's a secondary that has been torn up time and time again. They got torn up by Baker Mayfield last mm-hmm. weekend. They got torn up by Stafford the week before. Yeah. Um, and you know, they're still able to win those games. Now the Niners are a much better team. Mm-hmm. Purdy's got a uh, – this is a perfect opportunity. You couldn't really ask for a better opportunity to reinforce yourself as the starting quarterback. No, I, I think you hit the hammer on the nail there. Uh, it's it's opportunity, and you have a Lions team that has severely struggled in the secondary. Um, last week allowing Mike Evans to go for uh, eight receptions and 147 yards. Uh, the week prior, Puka Nakua, 158 yards. Uh, last week – Baker Mayfield, 367 in a playoff game. Uh, just, I, I think the opportunity, if Purdy wants one, uh, to be able to show off his arm and show his ability to extend plays and make plays in a big game, this is his chance. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, last year in this spot, he was injured and did not have an opportunity to finish that game, and uh, the, the 49ers were embarrassed, obviously not anticipating something like that to happen. But I think this game could very well – uh, I guess maybe not lose his job, but if if he drops this spot where they're the significantly better team here on paper, and I think a lot of people would agree with that, um, if you don't put up a performance that is good enough to win a game, and and especially if Debo's not able to play, I think this starts a, a question: Is Purdy the starter for this team going forward? Is Purdy a starter in this league? Um, because there are a lot of quarterbacks, and I think there's one on the roster that could be as serviceable as Purdy. I, I think Sam Darnold could do that job and, and do it just fine. Um, because they're not asking Purdy to do much. It's just reads and progressions. Uh, no, doesn't have to do anything with his legs. Um, and has a all-star talent around him. Um, so I think if he wants to prove he can get it done, this is opportunity. If he doesn't, you know, this is this is what raises some questions, and I know there were rumors last year about Philip Rivers coming out of retirement and and uh, coming in. Was it Philip Rivers or Matt Ryan? I can't remember. I think, it was, Phil, I think it was Philip Rivers. Uh, Philip Rivers was going to come in for the Super Bowl and help him help him out. Um, I don't know the legitimacy of that, but I think uh, even a report coming out like that just shows that even last year they were weary about it. I know he's at a full year this year. Um, but I really have not been more any more impressed than I was last year with him. So um, I, I think the 
the opportunity's there, and if if he wants to prove it, I, I think this is the weekend for it. Um, last question before we wrap up here: uh, Would you rather have Golf or Purdy as your quarterback in this game? As we're sitting here right this second, I think the answer is still Jared Goff, um, and here's why: He has been there more than once. He's been in this game already once uh, and been to the Super Bowl already. Brock Purdy. You know, just with with the weariness about where he's at in in terms of you know his quarterback play this year, I can't confidently say I'd rather have him. I'd rather take the guy who's been in the NFC Championship game and who has played better this season and in the postseason so far in, in terms of um, statistics, and he can he can give a team confidence where I don't know if Brock Purdy can still do that just based on his play. Um, he can make that team confident, and he also tell them, you know, hey guys, I've been here before. I'm not going to be rattled by the moment. Um, and I'm going to, we're going to walk in there, we're going to compete. Yeah. Um, he did play in the NFC Championship game in 2019 with the Rams at New Orleans. Uh, in that game, he threw for 297 yards and a touchdown. He did have a pick in that game, but overall played uh, played pretty well. He went 25 for 40, and obviously they win that, that game to go to the yeah. Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So right now, as we're sitting here, right this second, I still say Jared Goff. Yeah, I think golf is the the safe answer here, and I'd have to agree. Um, I think in most times, most games, the better quarterback wins. Uh, I think when you look at last week's games, you had uh, Mahomes and Allen. Mahomes wins. C.J. Stroud versus Lamar Jackson. Jackson wins. Um, Bucks versus Lions. Golf versus Baker. I'd take golf. Um, and then last week, even though I think we would have both agreed with Jordan Love against the 49ers, um, Jordan Love really outside of that bad interception in the game really outplayed Purdy, and they had a chance to win that game too. Um, so I think the better quarterback says a lot in these games, and I think Jared Goff is the better quarterback in this one. Um, he has proven um, not only in his time with the Rams, but also this season and, and two years with uh, the Lions that he's capable of. Uh, of, of getting it done and getting them where they want to be. And this has been a historic run for them based off his success as well. Now, obviously, Amon Ross St. Brown has been one of the most underrated receivers in the league. Uh, Sam Laporta, what a hit he was through the draft. Um, Jamar Gibbs, they got a lot of pieces. And they've done well. But someone's got to deliver that football. And that's been golf making plays down the field. And um, I, I think he is, he's worked out for the Lions. And it, what a cool story it would be. Um, if he's able to get to the Super Bowl, um, both quarterbacks from that trade make it to a Super Bowl. Oh, and we'll we'll I'll talk about this later in the week. I'm sure as we get closer to our picks. But what a cool moment, especially if it ends up being Lions Ravens. Just for you know, the Ravens haven't been there in a while. Lamar has not been there either. Mm-hmm. Detroit getting back to the Super Bowl, getting to the Super Bowl. Yeah. As I mean, we'll talk about it later. But what a fun matchup that would. Yeah, be. Yeah, that would be fun. Two teams that uh, desperately have been waiting for that moment again. Um, what was, Ravens last time there was the Harbaugh Bowl, was it not? Uh, yeah, into yeah. 2012, 2013. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the Lions, geez, gosh, they haven't been there in forever. <laughs> or, or, gosh, <laughs> the fact they're in the playoffs is awesome too for the NFL. Um, I think it's better when historic teams do well, and uh, the Lions have been in the league for a long time, but haven't had that rich history. Um, and it's good for them to be back. I'm, I'm happy for them. Um, and and Dan Campbell. Fun guy to listen to. A lot of energy. I think he instills that in that team and and that city as well. Congrats to the Lions. We'll talk more about that game tomorrow and all the games this weekend, tomorrow and Friday as well here on Overtime. For Dawson Wise, I'm William Patterson. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow for more Overtime.
coach who realized